This is uh, the month of February. This is National Marriage Month. It's the love month with the Valentine's Day and whatnot. My brother and I have been speaking this month on the idea of relationships, dating, sex, the whole thing. I spoke to you two weeks ago, uh, just before our Packers went on to glorious victory. Yes. About the importance of impressions and looking for teaching opportunities to speak into the life of your children, especially you guys. I hope you're starting to man up. In fact, anybody notice any teaching opportunities during the Super Bowl? Seriously, some of those commercials, you know, that one Pepsi one where they're dating and she's thinking, oh, I wonder if he has a job. I wonder if he's like that. And then his brain is, I want to sleep with her. I want to sleep with her. I want to sleep with her. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. Great opportunity. You hit pause. You mention something to your kids about it. You don't need a big sermon, by the way, guys. All you got to do is say, guys, that's a bad thing. They'll be thinking like that. Look for teaching opportunities. Engage with your children. Anyway, so we're going to continue today uh, on this subject. I've titled today's message, Young Love. Now, I speak a lot about these things, and there's certain issues that I get on that a little bit outside the box and certainly outside the mainstream big time. This is probably the most controversial thing that I advocate. If you don't like what I say today, don't get mad. Just get in line. All right. I get it. I know there's a lot of you. I'll never convince your minds on it. I would to God I could. But at least I want to challenge your thinking. Now, 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, verse 1. Paul writes this. He says, now for the matters you wrote about. They were writing to him. What do we do about this? What do we do about that? And this particular thing is, what do we do about this whole sex thing? The whole temptation thing? Our young guys, our young women. What do we, what do we tell them about this? And he said, well, here's my answer. It's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now, that's the NIV translation. That's not exactly what he said. NIV is a great translation. It's uh, one of the easiest ones to read today. Uh, I, I recommend it. But I got issues with some of the translations, the way they translated things. It's, they kind of get away from the, the original exact thing that they said. What he literally said was, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And you'll see that in uh, other translations. Of course, they can say, well, gee, that seems kind of extreme. He's talking about sex, so let's just say it's good not to have sex with a woman. But um, he's literally talking about touch. Now, touch is a powerful thing. I was just reading uh, last week about the physiology of touch. It's kind of like the mini drug, if you will. Kind of like an addictive drug that you take, and then, ooh, that feels good, and you've got to take it again and take it again, and, of course, that'll eventually kill you because you've got to keep having bigger and bigger doses of it. This won't kill you. But it's like a drug in this way. It says the more that we touch and are being touched, the more we want to be touched. Human beings are wired for touch. Studies with little babies like little Maya in nurseries that uh, for some reason their parents were killed in an accident or something like that and they're not there to touch them. They suffer greatly. They theorize that if human beings, especially infants, are rarely if ever touched, they will die. We need to be touched. The more we're touched, the more we want to be touched. Now, what happens oftentimes in a marriage situation, you know, you're married for a while, and then you finally say, okay, enough with the touching. And couples intentionally quit going through the effort of touching each other. But then something happens they're not aware of. They suddenly no longer want to be touched or feel like touching. This is when they start thinking, oh, there's something wrong with our marriage. 
you know, maybe I should find somebody else. Something's wrong. Look, the reason this is happening is because you've stopped touching each other. If you are married, you need to intentionally touch each other. I'm talking holding hands, leaning against each other while you're watching TV. Play footsie under the table while you're eating dinner. You know, you've got to touch each other. You want to ruin your marriage? You want to get miserable? Stop touching. Stop touching. And couples do this all the time. Then they think, oh, I don't feel like touching anymore. And it spirals out of control. You need to touch. Try this for 30 days. See what happens. We're not talking sexual. Just, just touch. See what happens. We are wired physically. We need to be touched. The more you touch, the more you will want to be touched. You can always tell people who are dating uh, when you see them sit next to each other in a car. You ever notice this? Because the guy's sitting here and the chick's like right here. You ever notice this? You know, the longer people have been married, the further away she gets. <laughs> Pretty soon he's driving, she's in the trunk. You know, they're going along. <laughs> like, what the heck's going on here? Because you stop touching. The more you stop touching, the more you don't. I don't want to be touched. I don't feel like being touched. It's a bad thing for you. It means you've got to intentionally do this. Okay, so we have married people who don't touch each other. We have single people who can't stop touching each other. And it's a big, fat, stinking mess. So he's saying to the single guy, stop with the touching. But then verse 2, he says, but since there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own, should have sexual relations with his own wife. Each woman should have sexual relations with her own husband. This is the Bible telling you this. He ratchets it up. The husband should fulfill his marital duty i.e. sex to his wife gentlemen do your duty <laughs> the wife also should be doing the same duty to her husband hallelujah then he ratchets it up even more he says the wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband in the same way the husband does not have authority over his own body but yields it to his wife which if you look at at it one way it's kind of a standoff because the guy can say you need to yield your body to me and turn it on and she says you got to yield your body to me turn it off you know so you don't get anywhere with this one <laughs> but then he ratchets it up more he says do not deprive each other this is the bible talking listen to me you do not have the right to stop having sex with each other you are wrong according to the bible do not deprive each other Except, perhaps, by mutual consent. You both agree. By the way, one of you agreeing is not mutual consent. And you can do it for a time. So that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Well, that's why Christian couples aren't having sex. They're all praying. <laughs> then come together again and he ratchets it up. So that's Satan. He throws in the Satan card. Will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. If there's one thing the Bible is explicitly clear. Is that Christian couples should be sexually active. And by the way. If you exercise once a month. Are you considered physically active? If you exercise once a week. Are you considered physically active? You got to exercise two three times a week. Before anybody considers you physically active. You're supposed to be sexually active. It's another sermon. 
But he says, I say this as a concession. What? That you can get married. See, he didn't, he didn't like marriage. Paul was kind of poo-poo on that. You see, today, great if you can be married, too bad if you're single. But if you were living 2,000 years ago, the Christian community was thinking, it's great to be single, too bad if you have to get married. Very, very different perspective. Paul says this, he says, I wish that all of you were as I am, which is single. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has one gift, one has the other. Now to the unmarried, to the widows, I say this. If you're unmarried and you were asked the Apostle Paul about marriage, this is what he'd tell you. It's good for you to stay unmarried, even as I do. But, he says in the next verse, if you cannot control yourselves, better to marry, because it's better to marry than to burn with passion. So one thing is clear. Look, there's no way you can get around this. You look at the underlying reason for marriage in the Bible. It's for sexual fulfillment and satisfaction. It's not, by the way, he doesn't say anything about procreation. Now, procreation is a good positive thing. Lots of verses in the Bible that talks about this. But every once in a while you hear say, well, you know, God just had sex for procreation. Ah, wrong. That wasn't the fundamental reason. It was the connecting. And that's what the Bible talks about. Of course, our message from our secular culture today is, oh, no, no, marriage isn't about sex. It's about soulmates and love and finding true peace and joy. (laughs) Seriously, if you think marrying some dude is going to bring you peace and joy. (laughs) Oh, but I know it will, Pastor. You're on drugs, man. <laughs> Marriage is about the fulfillment of this sexual, wonderful sexual thing. This wonderful drug-like experience that's brought men and women together since Adam was first introduced to Eve. People say, well, what's the big deal? Who cares if people have sex before they're married? It doesn't really matter. Really? Forget about what God says for a minute. You know, if there's one thing virtually every culture in human history has discovered... It is this, that sex outside of marriage destroys people, it ravages cultures, and it destroys nations. Has anyone noticed that the most evil, anti-God, anti-Christ, oppressive regimes on earth make pornography illegal? Ever notice that? Even the devil knows it's a bad idea. Seriously, it's in Western culture. Oh, yes, okay, no big deal. <laughs> the most satanic cultures, no porn. Yet even the most evil cultures on earth celebrate, cherish, and institute and support marriage. Why? Well, because they're not idiots. They know history. If you know history, you know these things. It's always been the cultures that became very sexually permissive that fell apart. Of course, one of our biggest problems as Americans today, we don't know history. We don't know history. Nobody knows anything about history. Nobody looks to the future. We just focus on the now. We're the nation of the now. And there's going to be hell to pay. Nobody's doing the math. Nobody's looking. Nobody's preparing. Do you know, what is it? 25% of people in their, in their 50s, only 25% of people in their 50s today are ready for anywhere near financially for retirement. We're headed for some serious trouble. People don't look forward. We don't look back. We just live in the now. We don't think. 
Why should we be concerned about whether people have sex before marriage? What's the big deal, Pat? Who cares if our young people have sex? That's no big deal. They shouldn't, but it's no big deal. Listen to me, it's a big deal. In fact, it is the single greatest determiner of whether or not your young people will stay married for a lifetime. The National Survey of Family Growth found this. They said for women over the age of 30, those who had been monogamous, only one sexual partner in a lifetime, they had a divorce rate of only 20%. It's the lowest in Western culture. And we're not just talking Christians here. We're talking everybody, heathens, atheists, everybody in America. Those with one sexual partner have the lowest divorce rates in Western culture, 20%. Their studies showed that those who had one other partner, now we're not talking lovers, we're talking just one other role in the hay, that group, the divorce rate jumps to almost 50%. Those who report two other boys jumps to almost 60%. And it climbs. The single greatest indicator is not what you think, mom and dad. You think, oh, my kids should have their education first, and they're too young, and they should save money first, and all this before marriage. You're wrong. That has almost no bearing on whether or not they will succeed. Sexually being active will determine whether or not they'll succeed or fail. Of course, you causing them to delay as long as possible almost guarantees they will fail sexually, which makes us the dumbest people on earth. Studies have shown that physiologically, it's not healthy for people to have multiple sexual partners. We're not animals. We're not dogs. Despite people thinking we crawled out of the soup some day from a frog or a lizard or something like that. We're people. Studies have shown that when a woman has sex with a man, she releases a chemical into her bloodstream called oxytocin. This is known as the bonding chemical. It's the thing that buzzes her and gives her this connection with this guy. It's the same chemical that is released when a woman breastfeeds. It's called the bonding chemical. It helps her to bond to the little rugrat. All right? But they have shown that every time a woman has another partner, she begins to generate less of the oxytocin. And you start having multiple sexual partners. That's why some of you girls, quite frankly, and again, this isn't about making you feel bad. The rea- you know what's hard about t- talking about this stuff? is virtually everybody in this room has done it wrong at some level. And the reason why so many churches never want to talk about these things, oh, we don't want people to feel bad. But it's not about making people feel bad. We get it. We, that's what grace is about. That's what forgiveness is about. But we need to start doing life right. For example, should you kill people? No. Will God forgive you if you kill people? Yes. So that means we can kill people. No. Well, won't God forgive me if I do kill people? Yes. Well, then I can kill people. No. It's like this in all these things. It's not this is a struggle between grace and truth, but yet they work beautifully together. Truth is always truth. God forgives, but there's still truth. The church today, everybody just oh, just grace, grace, grace. You know, they, they say, "Well, we believe in grace." It's their way of spiritually saying we're wusses and we don't want to talk about anything. The truth of the matter, we got to talk about the truth. We're not helping people. I don't hate you. God doesn't hate you. Again, I'm aware almost everybody's blown this at some level. But at some point, we have to stop the stupid. If there's one thing the church has to do in 2011, we have to stop the cycle of stupid. Or our kids will keep doing the same dumb things we did, and their kids will do it, and the culture will continue to rot and destroy. We have to stop and say, no, 
We need to stop. This is destroying us. Well, I did it wrong. Okay, God will forgive you. But we still have to stop doing it wrong. Want sex, Paul says? Get married, period. Which brings me to the core of today's message, which is young love. Now, sexual desire is the main reason that the Bible says Stephen had to get married in the first place. And your greatest sexual desire is when you're youngest, then arguing for the delay of marriage to an older age is counterintuitive and certainly goes against what the Bible says. At least one would have to admit that the delay would only increase the desire for sex. You know, I did a search of a couple of other cultures because surely we're not the only people who deal with this. And I went out to some Islamic websites. And I was like, because they were asking these imams, what do we do? You know, we have this thing, these guys, man, I, I, I want to have sex. You know, is it okay to have sex with my girlfriend? Is it okay to have oral sex? Is it okay to, you know, look at porn and all this stuff? They said, no, 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 no. An Islamic man never does that. They said, well, what do we do? They said, get a wife. Gee, who does that sound like? The Bible. Jewish websites, conservative Jewish websites, exact same thing. A Jewish man never does these things. Well, what do we do? Find a wife. It's the exact same thing Paul said in the Bible. But no, no, we put it off. We do all this other nonsense, virtually guaranteeing all the weight and the trouble we will have in trying to hold our marriages together later. And making life so much more difficult. The church has been so contrary. You go to Christian websites. Oh, good Lord. What do we do about our sex lives? You know, oh, masturbate. You know, have oral sex. Make out on dates. Oh, it's all fine. You know. Even some conservative Christian websites. Like, dear God, how can it be so stupid and still breathe? But get married? No, no, no. We don't say that. Oh, you're too young, you're too young, you're too young. The church has been so contradictory in this message. We're telling our kids, wait till you're almost 30 to get married, but don't have sex. <laughs> yeah, how's that working? Remember this, moral decay is the destroyer of civilizations. And moral decay is currently destroying our young Christian men and women. Yet instead of encouraging our young men and women to do life right, even if it means marrying at an early age, we buy into this ridiculous concept. Of wait, 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 wait to have, get married. And it is destroying our young people. Everybody thinks, you know, oh, this is all, it's all, it's all. You got to wait, 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 wait. You got to. We've created an extended adolescence that is delaying the maturity of our young men in particular and helping us produce a generation of porn addicts. Oh, isn't that great? I'm talking Christians. Forget what the pagans are doing. Good Lord, that's a mess. I'm talking about your kids. All because we buy into this foolish nonsense. Oh yeah, just wait, 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 wait. We threaten our young kids. I know Christian young parents who threaten their kids. You get married too young, I won't pay for your college. I won't pay for your wedding. I won't have anything to do. Are you insane? Virtually guaranteeing their moral failure at all kinds of different scales. All for what? What exactly have you gained by waiting? Well, we had a hard time when we first got married. Yeah, that was good for you. 
All studies have shown that the people who have the greatest amount of adversity early in life are the ones who build marriages that last for a lifetime. What do we do? We tell our kids, wait, 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 till they have the least amount of adversity and then get married. The worst thing you can tell them. That's why our divorce rates are going through the roof. This is craziness. You know, I go off on all kinds of psycho stuff that people think I'm completely nuts on. If you've been around me for a long time, you know I say about these things all the time. But I'm on a roll lately. I've, I've got all kinds of studies that have been coming out lately, lately that have been justifying my insanity. Check this out. This is yesterday in the Wall Street Journal. Where have all the good men gone? The ladies are asking. And they got all these graphs and stuff showing that delayed adolescence, this thing of encouraging our boys, the way, way, way to get married, is destroying them. The lady who writes this article, a lady by the name of Kay Himowitz, says this, For whatever reason, adolescence appears to be the young man's default state, proving what anthropologists have discovered in cultures everywhere. It is marriage and responsibility that turns boys into men. It's not age. Well, he's too young. I had to wait for him to mature. You can wait till the cows come home. Age does not make a boy mature. Responsibility causes a boy to mature. We've got 32-year-old boys still living at home with mom. Their only real functional skill is playing video games. We have a problem. We delay marriage. We have a demographic problem. Not only morally is it rotting the culture of our homes and destroying our families. We have a demographic problem. We're not having enough children. We're the first generation of Christians that's beginning to breed itself out of existence. Culturally, we are headed for a disaster in Western culture. Stop and think about this. Americans currently are having like 1.5, 1.3 kids per family, whatever it is. Islamic cultures that cherish their culture have about 6 to 8 per family. Do the math. What do you think the world's going to look like in 50 years? Huh? Is that really what you want? Is that what we want? Oh, we can't afford it, Pastor. Really? Poorest countries in the world have them like rabbits. Richest country in the world, we somehow can't afford it. Another study that just came out last week showed that this idea that children cost a fortune to raise, bunk. It's not true. All these economic models they've told us is all a bunch of lie. There is the most... And now they're talking about carbon footprints. You know, they say the biggest carbon footprint is actually produced by single people in their own apartments. Per capita, people with larger families produce very, very little in terms of carbon. The same house that it takes to warm one person can warm pretty much five people. Do the math, because we're not very good at math anymore. The very thing we will love the most in life, you young people, listen to me, the thing you will cherish the most in life, I guarantee you, will not be your car. Will not be your house. You will not lay down your life for your video game, boys. But when you hold that little rug rat like I just held in your arms, you will cherish that more than life itself. Yet the thing that we cherish the most, we avoid like a cancer. We treat pregnancy like a cancer. What does that? Yeah, even though they're screaming, there's this. <laughs> He's more about it, says that than I am about it. That's baby talk for preach it, brother. Preach it. 
Again, another study just came out last week. I'm on a roll, baby. Said children in larger families are physically and mentally healthier than children in smaller families. And they said children who come from larger families tend to have successful marriages. Do you know why? Because they learned how to share. That's what the article says. They learned how to share. They got... Life isn't all about me, 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 me. Fertility problems we're having. It's a big one. So what happens when you wait till you're almost 30 to get married and then wait another few years before you have babies and then you can't have babies? So let me get this straight. You wanted to save all this money before you got married and then you spend all that money trying to get pregnant. What's the win here? How's that accomplished anything? And you can spend all that money and still not get pregnant. It's one of the greatest heartbreaks in young marriages today. You know how many 30-something, 40-something-year-old women are just miserable and crying because they can't get pregnant? It's just not ladies. You know, hey, you got a clock going. Guys have clocks going too. Physiologically, we're not designed for this. Do you know? Here's a study. Your chance of living to 100 years of age doubles if your mother was under 25 years of age when she gave birth to you. Doubles. This whole thing of waiting, it's this, it's craziness. Look, geezers like Lathan and I, we're pretty much set. Social Security, you know, we might have to wait a little bit longer, but you young guys, what do you think you're going to have? You're not going to have jack squat. There's not enough of you. The Green Bay paper, anybody read this last week? There's an immediate shortfall of like 15 million workers in America in the, in the short term. We have murdered 50 million Americans in abortion over the last 20 years. Do you know how much more your house would be worth today if there were 50 million new people looking for homes? I want you to do the math. We are killing ourselves. We're ruining our economic future. We're ruining the church's future. Churches will continue to shrink, 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 shrink. We're just not thinking. Look, I know some of this freaks you guys out. Some people get mad and they can't handle it. It's all right. Get in line. Well, Pastor, well, what about their freedom? We want them to enjoy their freedom in their 20s. Really? See, it used to be people grew up in their 20s. Now it's all about freedom in your 20s. Let me see if I get this straight. I'm 56 years of age. I have five grandchildren. My kids, thankfully, are gone out of the house. I'm having more fun than should legally be allowed. <laughs> I have a great life. People my age who've done this right, they tend to really enjoy this time of life. Your kids are gone. Everything, you're enjoying your grandkids. Good thing you get to, and you give them back, see ya. You know. You have the most amount of life knowledge, most amount of life experience, and you'll be making the most amount of money you'll ever make in your life during this period of time. Let me see if I understand you young people today. What you're saying is you want to trade in that time of life and have children then... So you can have freedom in your 20s. When you don't know what you're doing. You're dumb as a brick. And you have no money. This is the trade-off? Oh, we want to be free in our 20s. Really? 
You know, I've seen the freedom in the 20s. It doesn't look really exciting to me. People in the 20s get together. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Well, let's go do this thing. I don't have any money. You got any money? I got any money. Okay. Let's, let's go home. That's, that's your life. When you have the greatest amount of physical energy to be having children and raising a family, you're wasting that. So what? You can play video games? Drink more beer? I mean, what, what's the win here? I'm not quite getting it. Some of you guys are waiting so long, you're going to be dealing with teenagers when you're 60 years of age. I've been to Disney World. Have you been to Disney World? Those guys my age with little kids. That's not their grandkids. It's their kids. I think, you're doing this now? (laughs) Good grief. We should be encouraging large families. Here's a study I'm waiting to come out. It'll come out in a few years. It'll justify my insanity. Has anyone noticed, just as it crossed anyone's notice, that the most stressed out parents on earth, particularly women, are the ones who have one kid? Has anyone noticed this? Just, they're coming unglued for 20 years. When they have two, it seems to knock it down quite a bit. But when you get to three or more, they tend to be the most normal, relaxed human beings on earth. Nothing freaks them out. Kid lights on fire, he's fine. I was just talking to Bryce Pop between services because they got six kids. He says, that's an interesting uh, analogy you used because one of my kids lit on fire the other day. <laughs> so what would you do? Is ah, just put it out. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> See, I don't think this is healthy for us psychologically, physically, at almost every measurable level. What we're doing is killing us. I'm saying let's start valuing life the way the Bible says it. Value families, value large families, value children, do life right. And by the way, speaking of healthy women, I'll end with this, I've been throwing studies out like crazy. University of Chicago did a study about sex. Everybody wants to know, ooh, sex, 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 sex. Everybody's still fascinated by it, you know. They wanted to know what women in America had the best sex. Because, you know, boy, if we can figure that out, then we can duplicate it, you know. Of course, they thought it would be the single, you know, ho-chi-mama babes out there having a good time, you know. It wasn't them. They recorded very low satisfaction with sex. They said the women in America who routinely report having the best sex lives are women in their 30s with at least three children. They were stunned. They still had no explanation for it. How can this be? I don't know. Maybe she's relaxing finally. (laughs) Again, you disagree with me. Get in line. But at a minimum, let's start teaching our kids. Let's change our culture. Let's rethink 
what we're doing. I gotta shut up. I've gone too long. Adults, all you uh, ushers, whatever you call them, can come up and <laughs> musicians. <laughs> all these people, all these people around here. I don't know what you do. Just come up here. <sighs> God help us. Help us to start doing life right. Lord, we thank you that you love us despite our mistakes. Lord, we are a church. We are a culture today. We're a room full of people who've done this wrong in so many ways. We know you love us. You care about us. It's not about feeling depressed or bad. This is a call for, Lord, help us to start reevaluating the way we approach life. Help us start to do life right. Help us to stop the cycle of dysfunction in our young people. Help us to build healthy families that can build a healthy church so that we can reach out and touch a lost and dying world. It's hard to bring a message of healing to a lost and dying world when we're as sick as they are. Help us, Lord, to live out your grace your health, your vitality. Help us to lead the kind of lives that other people will look at us and go, wow, I want to be like that. How do you guys do it? And it'd be such a great opportunity to share. We do it because we know you. Because of your love, your grace, and your kindness in our lives. Well, we're about to take communion together here, and I want us all to pray a prayer together, just a prayer of forgiveness as we get ready to receive this wonderful grace into our lives. Let's pray. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, and that you loved me so much, you went to the cross, and you took my punishment. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to fill my life with your life, so I can do life well. Amen.